Welcome to the SAPTA podcast. On January 31st, we recorded a video dialogue on the topic of online learning and hybrid education. The guests included Lindy Duran and Tanya Olson. Here's that discussion. Welcome to APTA Live Student Night. My name is Lindsay Durand. I use she, her pronouns, and I am your Director of Communications for the Student Assembly Board of Directors. Tonight's topic is on online learning and hybrid education, and we are joined by Dr. Tanya Olson, a Doctor of Physical Therapy, board certified in orthopedic physical therapy, and also certified in manual therapy. So we are excited to have her here tonight. I will give Dr. Olson a chance to introduce herself in a second, but for all of our guests joining us, we would love to hear a little bit about you. So go ahead and take a second to introduce yourself in the comments. Feel free to share your name, where you go to school, where you're tuning in from live tonight. And if you'd like to continue this conversation on our other social media platforms or ask any questions throughout the chat, please use the hashtag APTA Live. If you don't follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at APTA Students and on Facebook and Instagram at APTA Student Members. And again, if you have any questions throughout the chat or throughout the discussion, please drop them in the chat and we'll be sure to answer as many questions as possible. We'd love to hear your thoughts throughout the conversation as well. So don't be shy, share your thoughts and uh, discuss in the comments too. So Dr. Olson, we'll go ahead and have you give yourself an introduction. Tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got the, got to this point in your career. Uh, well, let's see. So um, I like how I got to where I am. So I have, I actually started off as a PT assistant back in Minnesota in the 90s. <laughs> and um went on to get my undergrad in biology and my um, PT degree a master's level was the entry level at the time at the Medical University of South Carolina. Uh, got my doctorate through Evidence in Motion and then I'm working on my um, doctorate in education right now. Um, I have a bit of experience with the accelerated hybrid PT and um, PTA model of education. I've uh, been adjunct faculty at South College, which was the first hybrid accelerated DPT program of its kind um, and that's we're on the fifth graduating class now I think and then um, back in 2016 I helped start the first PTA hybrid accelerated um, program um, here in uh, near in the Tampa area in Florida and so my experience with hybrid education is yeah that's that's what's brought me here Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience as a PTA and how that transitioned you into a physical therapist? I think you kind of briefly mentioned that in there. In your yeah. Job. Yeah. So for me, for the, um, I, I really like school <laughs> and um, I really, I really, really, really enjoyed the, all of the curriculum and everything that I learned during the PTA program, but I knew very, very early on in the education process that I was going to want to go on to uh, more schooling because I just really enjoy school a great deal. And so um, for a lot of people, I think that's the biggest difference between the, you know, choosing a PTA or PT route, whether or not like just you've got to love school to be to go on and into the, the PT realm, whereas a PTA is a you know primarily a clinical 
position and you're working with patients. But yeah, yeah, because I love school. That's really it. <laughs> and so how long did you work as a PTA before you decided to make that transition to? I did not work as a PTA for very long at all. I'm, I actually went and rode horses for a living for about five years before I went to undergrad. So I'm a, I'm a non-traditional student. Yeah. Can, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I feel like I'm, I've met a lot more students on the, what you would consider like the non-traditional route. Like they didn't just go straight from undergrad into DPT school or PTA school. So can you talk a little bit about your experiences as a what you consider a non-traditional. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried, um, I didn't have financial or emotional support like from my family or like, I was just trying to figure out how to do it on my own. And so my original plan was to get my PTA degree in, and then have a, like more of a career while I was working my way through, uh, through co- through college, because um, I, I just had always my whole life I'd known that I was going to want to be in some sort of a graduate program. Um, but then, as it turned out, it just um, back then we didn't have the hybrid learning opportunities, so uh, you had to go to class during the day. And if you're working as a PTA, you need to work during the day. So my plan didn't quite work out. So I went road horses for a few years because I had a really nice horse and I just needed to be done. (laughs) And then I ended up, yeah, when I was in, so I really didn't work as a PTA hardly at all. And so when you went through your process of going from PTA, you went to MSPT. So you got your master's in physical therapy first. Is that correct? Yeah, that was the entry level degree for a PT at the time. And that was a traditional model in terms of yes. education, yep. like going to school every day. Yep. The three years at uh, medical university in Charleston. And then when South you transitioned Carolina. to your doctorate, was that a hybrid model or traditional? Uh, it was, it was hybrid. Yeah. Cause it was ev- with evidence in motion. So the, the didactic was online, all the, the didactic or book learning was all online. And then the hands-on stuff was taught on in weekend intensive courses. Okay. And what, like, when was this? Because I feel like I didn't even hear about hybrid programs until just a couple years ago when I was applying for PT schools. So this is like all seems seemingly new to me. Yeah, I did that too. 2013. I think I started it in, it was 2010-ish when I started. Yeah, so EIM is, uh, they were early adopters of that, the hybrid immersive. Like the, the biggest thing that's different about like a lot of the EIM um, education programs, and that's where the hybrid accelerated program at South College, um, they're, they provide, they're the ones who came up with the, with the design. Um, is because they come from the military. And so um, immersive education was something that's uh, kind of standard there. So like if you want to become proficient in a language, you do eight hour days learning the language for six months and then you become proficient in it. And so they kind of took that understanding of education for the PT education. So the immersive lab is um, our eight hour days of learning the hands on skills. I forgot the question, but I answered it. <laughs> well, it's, it's perfect because it kind of leads into our next question. But can you talk a little bit about 
like how your how the traditional model of schooling is different from the hybrid. You kind of touched on it a little bit with this military model and how they took that into the immersive courses. But but what is kind of like the meat and backbones of a hybrid program or an online program as we're seeing PT and PTA programs transition to this model? Yeah. So, I mean, the traditional program probably doesn't require a lot of explanation. It's the, you know, you go to class the three days, you know, three hours a week, whatever you're in the classroom with the same professors, the same students, you know, five days a week, et cetera. And all the learning is um, equally divided throughout the term, whether it's the semester or um, the quarter. Whereas the the a hybrid program technically has an online component and then an in person component. The and um, when I worked at the PTA program in Eugene, Oregon, that hybrid program had the students. All the book learning was online, and the students came to lab for eight hours every Friday. And so that was kind of a hybrid. It wasn't accelerated because it was still the same amount of time for a typical, a traditional PTA program, whereas the South College and then the Rasmussen College, which is where I worked as the PTA program, the accelerated hybrid model has all the didactic throughout the entire term. The students are and the faculty live all over the country. And you do all the book learning online. And then the last two weeks of the term, the students and faculty all go to South College and learn the hands-on skills in the form of eight-hour days. Does that, so, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So okay. how I guess what is the benefit of doing it that way versus like learning throughout your, your semester? Yeah, so there's a lot of there's a lot of really great benefits with regard to the hybrid model, especially the accelerated model. So one of the some of the reasons that so the barriers to higher education are oftentimes for students have to do with geography and the primary ones are geography and finances. So his so in order to pick up and move to a traditional program, traditional campus, like not everyone has that option. Not everyone has the option of I mean, school is far more expensive than it ever has been. Um, And so that the cost of college, if you're going to school for 18 months instead of 24, like with the PTA program, you're going to be paying less in tuition overall. So those are the two. Um, issues that are barriers to higher education that um, the accelerated hybrid program um, addresses. The hybrid program in general, where the students don't have to pick up and move, allows for students to not have that geo- geographical barrier. Meaning, um, so I worked as a traveling PTA for, or PT for, for years, and um, I'd see a lot of these uh, small towns they can't keep and retain PTs because the a PT who's not from that small town isn't going to maybe they're less apt to move to a small town and live. Whereas if you're from that small town and you stay there and you're able to go to college and stay connected in that small town, um, you're you're more apt to be able to stay in your town and serve your community. Uh, so the taking away the geographical barrier opens up the opportunities for a higher education for uh, folks that perhaps wouldn't be able to do so. So I think that's one of the big benefits for hybrid. The accelerated reduces the, the overall costs. 
Yeah, and I think you bring up a lot of good points that we are lacking representation in our profession and especially having access to PTs in these rural areas. I know we've been mm-hmm. trying to combat that with telehealth services, but again, we're running into the to issues of people not having accessibility to high-speed internet to com- conduct telehealth services. So really, how, how else can we make it more accessible? So I love that you bring up the fact that having a hybrid program or having a program that has an online option will actually potentially increase the um, the ability for a student from these rural communities or areas away from PT schools to actually be a part. Um, do you think it'll reduce the cost of actual school? Like we've... Well, for the accelerated... Yeah, for the accelerated programs, it, it, there, it is a reduced cost overall. Um, but I also just want to point out, too, that with the hybrid programs, we can, there's um, a greater opportunity to, for diversity overall because it, just by nature of it being more accessible to folks, um, you can also, not only we're taking away the geographical barriers, but there's, there's more diversity that um, can, can be fostered with with taking that barrier away. Um, oh, wait, tell me what your question was. I forgot. Just Diversity in terms of like, if we go towards more of a hybrid model in the future, like if more programs take these on, as opposed to the traditional model, like traditional models right now, especially in private universities, you're seeing cost of PT school over a yeah. hundred thousand dollars. So yeah. if we transition to more virtual are can we expect some of these costs to, to be reduced? Yeah, they are less because like South College is a two year program versus a three year. And I, um, I, I don't have the numbers um, offhand, but it, it costs less overall because you're going to school for one year less. Um, whereas the, the PTA program I worked with as well, it was 18 months instead of 24. So ultimately, yes, that is one of the benefits for hybrid accelerated program in particular because it's lower cost. But in terms of like if the program's the same length, the same three year program, do you think those costs would decrease at all? Yes, because it costs less for the pro- for the um, for the college to uh, conduct the educational process, because think about it, you don't have to have the and this is where we're still kind of working things out, because what's happening is a lot of um, what's happening is established traditional programs are now adding a hybrid program because it's kind of the way CAPTI works. If you have a PT program or a PTA program established and then you want to add a hybrid one, it's you don't have to go through all the same hoops for accreditation, candidacy and accreditation. You don't have to start from the beginning. You can just add, you can just add it. And so for that university that uh, for the university's perspective, uh, online program or hybrid program allows them to have that many more, an entire another cohort that doesn't take up the space on the campus. So it's an addition to their, their um, the traditional program. Yeah, that's a good point, especially that you bring up that current programs that exist can't add that hybrid option. And it's, mm-hmm. you don't have to go through the re-accreditation process that you would if you were starting a brand new problem or right. a brand new program. Um, can you talk a little bit about like what types of students are successful in these hybrid programs, um, the accelerated program? I think that's something people are realizing that maybe they're more successful online versus more successful in the classroom. So how do you determine which students are, are going to be successful? 
Yeah, so that's actually part of the reason why I'm getting my doctorate in education because that's where I want to do. That's that's actually what I'm looking at doing my my dissertation in my program for because we're still. It's one of the big things we're trying to figure out at South is how can admissions choose the best the students? How can we identify the characteristics that will predict whether a student can can succeed in the program? And so. Um, Clearly, if you're going to be going to PT school at home, um, online predominantly, and especially in an accelerated program, you do need to have um, a level of autonomy. Uh, you need to be self-directed. You need to have a fairly high level of grit in, in your personality. And uh, you need to have some higher levels of emotional intelligence. Uh, and, and you need to have the want to. Because it's an accelerated program, a two-year DPT versus a three-year DPT is significantly more intense. Um, and so students, that's the thing, is uh, some students will just think that, oh, it's online, so it'll be easier, when really it's significantly, it's harder in a lot of ways, but it's easier in some ways. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't, yeah, we don't know specifically what those characteristics are, but um the things that I just mentioned, you gotta, you gotta have the want to, and you gotta, you gotta have the drive to get it done. <laughs> so for students who maybe entered a traditional program um, before COVID, and now they're in this like hybrid model unexpectedly, do you have any tips or recommendations for what these students can do to maximize their online learning? Well, hopefully their college has, um, you know, made an effort to use best practices for online education and they're being nimble and reaching out and trying to um, deliver the, the educational content in, in a contemporary manner rather than like, I know probably if a traditional program was just switching because nobody had any notice. So professors had no choice but to just take their lecture and just put it online. Hopefully folks have shifted and they've modified things to what a, a better online opportunity. But as far as from a student's perspective, I think the biggest thing um, you need to do, it's the same stuff that you do in the traditional programs. You need to create a community for yourself. You need to create a network of other students that you are interacting with on a daily basis. Uh, and you need to create, you need to create your support system. Just because you're online, um, doesn't mean that you can't interact in a meaningful, uh, substantive manner. Um, and so you just have to, you have to create that. And, you know, back in the day when I was in traditional programs, you know, you're meeting in the library together. You have your study groups. You've got the people that you reach out to. I've got the people that I teach the stuff to. And then I've got the people that teach me the stuff that I'm weaker on. And you, you have to actively make that happen. And those are the skills that you also use in the clinic. The skills that you get you through school are the same skills that help you be a good clinician and a good uh, colleague. So those are the things that I think students also need to be mindful of. Cause I think sometimes students, I, and no, I just went off topic, but <laughs> um, students, it's not you're in school and now I'm a PT or a PTA. Like there's, there aren't different skills. The same thing that gets you through school are the same things that get you through in your career. 
And, and I think that should help like keeping things in perspective when you're up late at night and you're frustrated and you're tired and you're just like, Oh my God, just, if you can think to yourself, okay, how can these skill, what I'm doing right now, how is this going to help me treat a patient? And my favorite story is that five o'clock on a Friday patient, you know, do they get less care because you're tired? You know, it's that same thing with that content you're trying to learn, like those same skills that you learned, you just buck up, get it done dig deep, make it happen. Those same skills are what's going to help you be an excellent clinician. I feel like I'm getting a pep talk. I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> I just, um, well, I can wait. Okay. We, just, I want to talk about, to, like, I want to talk about immersive lab, but yeah, I'll let you keep asking. Your <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I'm so excited now, but I think I you brought up, you brought up such, such points. points. Um, <laughs> about community and, and really building that community. And I remember my first year of PT school and not feeling like I had that community and not really interacting with my classmates because I commuted. And so I I didn't live close by and I was always, you know, commuting to school and then having to commute home and spending all my time studying. And so I didn't have that community. And once I, once I started to seek out that community, which I actually found within APTA, not even necessarily within my class, um, things started to get a lot better. And, and like you said, you kind of like, you bear down, you get it done and you think about all the ways that this is going to make you a better clinician. Mm -hmm. And so my little plug here, if you're attending CSM students, you can join our conference connections and that's a great way to build community and connect with other students. Um, can you talk a little bit about your immersive lab since you seem really, (laughs) really excited about that? Okay. So here's what's fantastic about the immersive lab in the accelerated programs is that, so you're, the students are coming in and it's eight hour days of learning. So it's immersive. It's, we call it lab intensive or immersive labs. So as a, as an instructor, we get to see and guide the students with not just, so think about a traditional program. Let's say it's a manual therapy course, a musculoskeletal course. You're going to go in in a traditional program. You're going to go in two days, you know, two hours a day, two hours, three times a week. You know, you come in, um, you put your jacket down, chat for a little while, you know, and really at the end of the day, you probably are actually practicing that skill for maybe half an hour or so, maybe 45 minutes, you know, after the lecture and the questions and blah, blah, blah. Um, in the, uh, and then you leave and, you know, you really don't have sustained interaction with your other classmates and all that. And so in the immersive lab setting, you're an eight hour day in that class with all of your other classmates, you're working with different classmates you're working with different instructors so you're working on emotional intelligence you're developing your interpersonal skills because you're not always going to be working with the favorite people that you like you're learning how to perform self-care so you need to know whether or not you get hangry and what you need to do about that and how to figure out when that's happening or how to help your colleague know that they're getting hangry and they need a snickers or something like that or you need to know when to take your bathroom breaks you need to know when how to ask Hey, it's cold in here. How to advocate for the room, you know, kind of thing. You need to communicate. You need to, um, and th- so, so immersive lab in particular develops the soft skills that really translate into being uh, a skilled clinician because you're in a sustained, stressful environment, but we're all in it together. 
you know, so yes, it's stressful, but we're all in it together. We're in the trenches. And it just, it's so in the space of three, eight hour days in like one course in an immersive lab, the students just grow just immensely. And so our students at South in particular come out with these higher level of um, soft skills. Um, plus we also get to spend a great deal of time talking um, from a clinical reasoning perspective. And so I know the students get frustrated at the time, but we are very intentionally choose to not lecture during lab as much as possible. So if a student asks us a question, I'm not going to, we're going to be less apt to just straight up give an answer. We're going to foster clinical reasoning in that student by asking a question to them, like the Socratic method where, because the reason you're, there is to learn how to think like a PT. And I know sometimes the students get, get a little frustrated because they just want the freaking answer. Well, if you just want the freaking answer, just look it up. That's what Google is for. Like I'm here to foster clinical reasoning. So that's one of the, that's the biggest thing about immersive lab is it's just so much, it's intensive and comprehensive. And I love how you brought up the soft skills because I think as a PT student as well, like when you're going through PT school, it is, there are times when it gets so hard and you're so overwhelmed about the actual content. Like you don't even think about the soft skills, the communication skills, the ability to negotiate. Like you don't think about those. My school, we have, you know, once a semester, like what's considered a negotiation practical. So you have like a formal practice for like a week, you know, but other than that, you're really not thinking about the development of those soft skills until you get into clinic. And so I like this idea of, of having the opportunity to develop those soft skills as the semester goes on. It seems like a much better way as opposed to getting into the clinic and not, not having any of that and having to learn all of it in the clinic. Right. And at the end of the day, um, it doesn't, it, you know, the Maya Angelou quote, you know, people will forget what you say, but they won't forget how you made them feel. Patients really are not impressed with our knowledge they're impressed with who we think they are. Are we interacting with them as a, as, a, as a human? Are we interacting with them empathetically? Are we connecting with them? Are we treating them like they're a person? That is far more important than, than whether or not you've read the, you know, this appropriate uh, most recent research study or, you know, whatever it is that you can easily get kind of tangled up in your head about, but this people dismiss the soft skills, but that's what the student, that's what the patients see. That's what they need from us. I'm not dismissing the content, but understanding how that fits and giving yourself some credit. Like um, if you, if you're, if you feel comfortable with your patients and they feel comfortable with you, you will calm down and feel comfortable and then be able to apply the content much more confidently. Your brain will settle in and you'll be able to think much better. And so I think sometimes students focus on a little bit of the wrong, like the, if you focus on the human part, your, your thinking part kind of really relaxes and is freed up. Um, whereas if you do it the opposite way, you get nervous and, act weird around patients and then it doesn't work because then you get nervous and everything goes crazy. <laughs> I love that perspective. And I wish I would have had that advice on all four of my clinicals. 
Yes, the art and science of PT. That's right, Chase. Uh, the human, yeah, the human side of it. And I think, like, I think just educators, we don't, we need to do a better job. And so I will challenge you students to um, ask your instructors, like, if you don't know, if something that is, is being taught to you or presented to you content, if it doesn't make sense to you why that's being presented, or you're frustrated by it, just ask, like, can you tell me, how, and don't be, you know, a jerk about it, but just can you tell me how this content is salient to my becoming a PT? And, you know, hopefully that instructor can give you the bigger picture because you have to have some faith in the fact that we understand the bigger picture. Um, not everyone fully understands that. But if you're frustrated and you don't know, like, figure it, like, ask. Like, can you, it, like, why am I taking algebra when I'm never going to use it? Like, you just ask. <laughs> don't just grumble behind your back and, and miss out on a learning opportunity because that professor might have a different perspective on that content. Or your classmates might have a different perspective. We all have different things that we're more passionate about or that just um, resonate with us. And so I just, I think as a PT or as a student in particular, PT or PTA, and in the clinic as a PT or a PTA, the, the biggest skill that you can um, that you should, that is beneficial to foster is curiosity. Like just be curious about you know what what is this rather than be like Ugh, it's annoying like uh -huh. but yeah being curious like tell me more about that can you yeah like can you tell me more <laughs> that's actually a really good thing to say to a patient when you're scared <laughs> and freezing you know because they're gonna think, you know when they want to talk if you say can you can you tell me a little bit more about that and then let them talk while you're doing your breathing and trying to untangle your mind one second. You're good. We're actually going to break for announcements uh, for a second here. So we'll give you a minute to grab a drink of water and we'll be right back. But in the meantime, students who are tuning in, I just want to keep you updated on a few things coming up. So like I mentioned earlier, we have our CSM Conference Connections Group Me. So you can join through APTA Engage. Go ahead and sign up through that link and you will receive an email with a link to join the Group Me. We'd love to have you there. This is a great opportunity for students to network. Traditionally, this is done in person and you're assigned a small group that you can meet up with at some point in the conference. But obviously, because everything's virtual, this is how we are substituting. So we'd love for you to join and take part in this awesome networking opportunity. A reminder that CSM does start tomorrow. Live programming will be Monday through Thursday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. So be sure to check that out. I have heard that there are a few swag boxes left. So if you have seen all the posts about the awesome Centennial swag boxes that come to the first 15,000 people to register for CSM, we do have just a few left. If you hurry and register, um, we will be running out soon. The first batch has been shipped out and we are continuing to ship them out. So if you haven't received your swag package yet, don't worry, it is coming. So again, live programming will be available Monday through Thursday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. All direct access programming as well as poster presentations in any pre-recording sessions that you need to watch will be available starting tomorrow, February 1st. So check out the website tomorrow for all of those recordings, information, presentations. Additionally, APTA student members does have their general membership meeting on Friday, February 26th. 
This will be open to all students. And one of the perks of the virtual format is that all students can attend. There will be no limit on the capacity. So please mark your calendars for February 26th. It'll happen in the evening. We will be confirming the exact time, but we look forward to seeing you there and connecting with more students. So I think that is all the announcements I have. So we will welcome Dr. Tanya Olson back. Um, Tanya, you talked a little bit about the development of clinical reasoning when you have um, a hybrid model. So you learn all of the didactic curriculum first, and then you're able to use the clinical reasoning skills a little bit better. Can you kind of talk a little bit more on that and, and kind of the benefits, how that happens? Yes. Um, I, can I, I just wanted to answer Torin's question. He said, for programs, adding a hybrid program on top of a traditional one, um, does that require a second set of faculty to support essentially two concurrent programs? Yes. Yes, you need to have separate. Yeah, you, for another cohort, you need a separate set of faculty. Okay, um, so as far as the clinical reasoning in the hybrid program, uh, so what's really great about hybrid in the online environment, and hopefully for those of you who've had to switch over to hybrid learning in your traditional programs, that your instructors have been able to foster some of this in the, in the online environment. Um, because the content delivery uh, that's effective in the hybrid environment has uh, asynchronous sessions and synchronous sessions. There's multiple ways that the content is being delivered to the students. And so an asynchronous session is, is like is a recorded lecture that the students watch on their own time. Uh, when it's convenient for them. Uh, a synchronous session is um, a live lecture, but the um, I, a better deter a better term for it would be a live learning session. And so what's what's really great and what South has done from the beginning is to make sure that those um, synchronous sessions, the live learning sessions are not just a lecture. So included in the uh, that hour long uh, learning session, we have quizzes for students to for the faculty to not only um, get an idea where the student's knowledge level is, but for the students to understand where their knowledge level is. So like a little pop up, like, you know, multiple choice question or something like that. So this, the faculty can kind of gauge this where the students are at as far as the content. So you can kind of shift accordingly. Um, and then case studies. So we really try to make sure that uh, the content includes working through something from a case um, study perspective. Um, students are called on uh, randomly, uh, which we call a hot seat. And I am actually a huge fan of the hot seat because that's one of the things that happens in immersive lab, especially, but also in the synchronous sessions is the students need to become familiar with being uncomfortable in front of people. And I'll encourage all of you students to, you need to embrace the suck. <laughs> which is another way I say you have to step forward into that because think about what your ultimate goal is in your PT school. Your ultimate goal is to get into the clinic, stand in front of a patient and maybe their family member and your clinical instructor and not freeze. You cannot have a, an attack of the nerves so bad that you can't. So the, so you need to have the PT school should provide graded exposure in 
and higher stakes environments. And that's a part of what practical exams do there. We're not trying to torture you. We're trying to prepare you to work, be in a clinical setting. So students, I highly encourage you to always try to step forward into something that's a little scary for you because those skills that you're learning in that moment will help you be able to um, achieve in the, in the clinic. And so in the synchronous sessions, the students will be just called randomly. It'll be like, you know, we've got this case study, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Billy, tell me what you think about this. And they've got to step forward on the call. And we do that in lab as well. We run around with the microphone and just hand it to you. And so that's um, one of the big benefits in the hybrid environment. And so then the students can also, um, what's also great is students can be interacting with each other um, in in their own timing. So you don't have to be meeting like back when I was in school, I had to meet in the library and you always had to get everyone together physically at the same time. But what's great about the online environment is I can be at two o'clock in the morning and I might know that Lindsay tends to study at night so I can and I can be freaking out about something or need a question answered. I can ask you at two o'clock in the morning, whereas no, Billy, he's more of a uh, early morning study or kind of person like he'll be studying at 7 a.m. And so you can you can fire out a question and help get it answered in a more timely manner than you can in the traditional setting. I think I kind of answered that right. Better. Yes, better still. Yes, you need and learning how to manage your nerves. It's critical. Like I can't tell you how many the students that I see in the first class the PT fundamentals, the ones who there's always a couple of criers. Um, and those are the ones who end up to be excellent clinicians because they care. Like, and, and I'm not saying the other ones don't, but but because like in a way they actually have to go through, they have to they have to they have to go through a lot more to be able to be comfortable in front of people. And because of that, they have a higher level of grit and, and people just know like patients don't, they, they, they want to help the students. So if a student's a little bit nervous, but yeah, you have to know how to manage your nerves, you know, don't be scared to call that doctor. And so that's one of the things when you're in school, think about how this is going to, this skill right now is going to transfer laterally to me working in the clinic. But those are some of the favorite things that I had that I think in the hybrid education model, um, it's maybe it, it's beneficial. Yeah. And I think when I first talked to um, Dr. Olson, this is for everyone watching, watching, but when I first talked to Dr. Olson a couple weeks ago, she was telling me about all of the the great components of a hybrid program. And for me, it was really reassuring to hear that my program was doing all of those things. We had asynchronous lectures. We had synchronous lectures with um, interaction components. We had group projects that you had to arrange. And it again, it was just so reassuring to hear that what my program was doing, especially in response to COVID and how they had made the adjustment to online learning. It was nice to hear that they were doing things that were like backed by the research and and good components of of hybrid learning. So do you mind just kind of taking a second to review those things that that make up the hybrid aspect, like in terms of the asynchronous lecture synchronous? So the synchronous, uh, the asynchronous is the the um, pre-recorded lectures that the students are expected to have watched before they attend the synchronous session, and that's actually a component of the flipped classroom where the student has covered the content before you come to lecture. The asynchronous is the or the synchronous is the live um, learning session, 
And then um, there are also learning opportunities such as uh, there are group projects um, that students are. So they're interacting with each other and working in groups. Uh, there's interactive discussion boards with uh, the students and uh, the faculty facilitating the discussions as well as uh, clinical reasoning. I mean, clinical reasoning should be being fostered throughout everything, but those are some of the main components of that hy the hybrid program. Yeah, and I know for me too, like to kind of bring it back to the immersive labs. So my program was 100% virtual for my last semester before I went into my last two clinical rotations. And so I had not had any lab practice for the material I learned March through June until now. Now we're going back and we're doing those labs that we had missed. And so we're making them up. And it's just so interesting to see how much more confident I am doing these labs now that I've had a little bit more experience. I have the clinical reasoning skills associated with the material. But for me, I feel like I've learned it so much better at this point that the labs are so much more comfortable, so much easier to do and so much more enjoyable. Like I get so much more out of it because I've been able to learn the didactic material before, um, practice some of that clinical reasoning. And now I'm in in the lab to review the hands on skills. Right. So, so, okay. So here's something too that, and this is like the, the, this may be a little bit of a difference between the students who are the hybrid or the, um, other traditional is that, okay. As a professional, you need to direct your own learning. So as you know, you're out of school, you're, you know, you've graduated. If you want to continue your learning and do like a journal club or um, go on to a residency or fellowship, like that's on you. That's your choice. Um, and it's the same thing with maintaining your skills. You do not need to have a patient to practice your skills on. The psychomotor component of, of, of working physically with a patient needs to be an unconscious process for you that you don't have to think about. And there's no reason why. And so students, this is frustrates the living daylights out of me because they think, well, I don't have a patient, so I don't have to practice or I can't practice. Well, for one thing, can't is just, that's a cop out. You can learn, you can move like a PT in your day. Like we all, you figure out, you know, once you learn the PT stance, you know, when you're, you're frying up your eggs in the morning, don't just stand there stiff-legged and turn. Shift like a PT. Stand like a PT. Work on your dog's leg. Like, I mean, you know, like d d handle your dog. Shadow your manips. Like if you're doing a cervical manip, use your hand. Shadow it. You're like you, there's no reason. You do not need a body to practice your hands-on skills. And I think that that's one of the things that we struggle with a little bit with the students is as helping them to maintain their their, their psychomotor skills um, because that has to be something that's unconscious. If you have to think about where your hands go, when your feet go, and where your body goes when you're performing whatever it is that you're doing, then you don't have room for the clinical reasoning in your mind because your brain is thinking about all the little things that you shouldn't have to think about. You shouldn't be thinking about where your feet are if you're like, let's say if you're doing a goniometric measurement of the knee flexion, you shouldn't have to be, you shouldn't be thinking about how to hold the goni, where to put your hands on that person. And there's no reason why you can't pretend to do that. Get a pool noodle. I don't know, a stuffed animal, use your cat. Like what, just do that. It doesn't have to be exactly the same, but practice the psychomotor skills 
between labs, between classes, along the way, you know, if that makes any sense. I think that's one of the things. And that's a self-directed learning opportunity. So embrace the suck and the scary things, but also maintain your own skills. It's not my job. Like, we will remind you that, you you know, these skills are things that you need to maintain. But, you know, put maybe your skills checklist on your fridge and have, this is a trick when I was in PTA school, I'd hand flashcards to my coworkers and they'd have to, they'd make me, you know, uh, recite whatever was on it. Put your skill check on the fridge and then anytime somebody comes into your house or whatever, have them just pick a skill on that list and then you real quick practice it. Because how long do you think it takes to your knee? Ten minutes, half an hour? No, it takes you 30 seconds. Like you have time to do that. Okay, rant over. <laughs> Again, that was very old. It was like skills. Figure it out, people. Like, because it's not, we call it the shadow manips. You know, I mean, you're standing there. I'm going to, you know, we're going to, I'm going to move like a PT. This is how PT moves. I'm not going to just turn and then my the pan. Learn how to move like a PT. I'm going to do my manip. I'm practicing that. That has to be, it has to be second nature. So anyhow. I love that because <laughs> I, <laughs> I was don't alone. tell me you didn't, don't right. tell me you didn't have time to practice. You didn't have a patient. Right. When everyone... I practice blood pressure with him, my Your dog. dog. That's yeah, so... because he's a big dog, and you can his actually holding his elbow is the same. Learn figuring out how to like, hold yeah. his manage his elbow. The same. I don't put the cuff on, but okay. doing the, the managing the elbow. You know, I have to hold. I hold, yeah, and like pump it. You up have to hold the elbow, and, and then you, and you you flip it, and you you have to find the break the the artery. You know, and so you have to be able to hold and move and handle that in a comfortable way. And the dog is going to be the first one to tell you that it's not comfortable, you know. And so if you can't hold your dog's leg and manage it, then can you really hold a human's? <laughs> so <laughs> you're you're it. Learn, just learn it. The right. psychomotor stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kevin. Is- figure it out. Great. Because... <laughs> Yeah, when but everything the went motor repetition is key. Like um, Kevin mm-hmm. says, I'm hyped and motivated now after that. That's a true mental repetition. The psychomotor repetition. You shouldn't be thinking, which hand do I put the goniometer on? Which one is the numbers I read? That cannot be something that you're thinking about when you're in the clinic. If it's not second nature, then you, you, that's on you. Right. And I think you bring up such a good point that like those are skills that you can practice. I mean, I remember being alone for the first part of quarantine. And here I am trying to like tape my own ankle because we've got a home <laughs> tape lab and like, you know, I'm literally I'm trying to like do manipulation, like mobilizations on myself or like act it out. Yeah. And dolls because that's all I had. It was just me, you know? So yeah. Yeah. And that's it how it is in the clinic. Yeah. If you want to, yeah. If you, if you, And that's how the skills you have as a student are the skills you're going to carry out into you being a profession. If you're a passive student and everybody has to tell you what to do and when to do it and how to do it and why to do it, then you're, you're, you know, you're going to be that kind of a clinician. If you're a student like yourself who's figuring it out, you're an active learner, you're a self-directed learner, you did done well in a hybrid program like you. I mean, that's what you've been surviving in. Um, but that psychomotor con- component, like students have to understand that that 10,000 repetition, um, you know, the 10,000 repetition rule, it's not really a rule, but anyhow, um, if it's not unconscious, 
the the movements and the simple things because what happens is the students think that they're going to remember the little things but they won't because that's the first step they forget but if you're trying to think about the little things then you don't have room in your brain to think about the complicated things and that's where you get in your own way and i remember shouting those minutes yeah I remember having those experiences on clinicals as well. Like be, being like, I just, I'm not even sure that I'm set up the right way. Like I just, don't, I don't even know what I'm feeling. And in my head, I'm trying to put together the clinical reasoning, but it's like, I didn't even have the hands-on skills at that point. So yeah. And it's okay if you don't know what you're feeling. Cause that develops over time, but at least if you know where to put your hands, right. you know, if you know how to not, you know, pick up somebody's leg in a non-painful way, in a comfortable way, you know, don't have creepy man hands, you know, they're all, you know, uh -uh. You know how to have soft hands, then you can relax. And the more you relax, the better your handling skills are. But yeah, yeah, you gotta, yeah. Self-directed mm -hmm. learning. <laughs> So kind of like, off topic <laughs> like I've mentioned throughout the, the discussion here, a lot of programs have switched to um, some sort of hybrid model with COVID. Do you think that that's going to last even after after COVID is gone? Are there going to be programs that are utilizing some form of of hybrid model from here on out? Can you hold that? I just remembered something I forgot to say. Um, yes. uh, so in the immersive lab, there early on in, in at South College, there was somebody who was there was from a different college. They were trying to decide if they were going to bring in uh, the accelerated hybrid model to their college. And he had a he followed around a group of students with a clicker and he clicked. He counted the number of times a group of students had supervised uh, practice of one technique. And in the space of like that week. Um, the students on average had practiced that skill with supervision like 94 times. So that's another, like that's in lab, the students are able to just, the, the repetition, the immersive lab, the repetition is significantly more. But okay, that's off, off topic. But now, okay, let's go back to your original question as to whether or not um, hybrid education is here to stay. Well, for one, South College started five years ago. So, and I was working at the hybrid program in uh, Lane Community College back in 2010. Uh, so it's been coming for a long time. So the best thing that COVID has done is it has kicked the doors down for those who have been holding out and saying it's not an appropriate way to deliver education. So it has blown the doors open and there's people out there now who see the value in the hybrid education in the DPT world that had previously been staunchly against it. And so I think that it is most definitely, and especially with the things going on with, you know, removing the geographical barriers, reducing the cost, increasing the diversity of students that um, that can be out reaching out to um, students now that they have an opportunity to not have to physically go to their lecture at eight o'clock in the morning. They can do their synchronous session or the async in their own time. Like, I think this is really opening the doors for more hybrid programs in the future. Re significantly reduced uh, the um, resistance that was uh, present in a lot of places prior to 2020. Right. I com I completely agree. And yeah. I mean, I remember being part of that resistance, which is so funny because I look oh, back really? at like, my high school and undergrad and was like so electronic based. Like I did everything on my computer. 
Yet yeah. I accidentally, I stumbled upon a hybrid program um, and unknowingly like sent them a request for more information. And they called me up and uh-huh. they're like, oh, you're interested in our hybrid program. And I was like, oh, no, I thought this was like the traditional program. And they were like, well, are you in- like, would you want to hear more about our hybrid program? And I was like, no. <laughs> they were like, why not? And I was like, I said it a lot nicer, but they were like, like, you know, why, why are you not interested in the hybrid program? And I was like, because I need to be in person to learn. And that was my perspective. And now having done half of my PT school, the traditional way and half of it, the hybrid way, I would have gone back and done it 100% hybrid if I could, because yeah. it, it's so much better fits my personality. And mm-hmm. like, I'm so much more productive in the morning. And if I can focus on things, I like, I feel like I have the discipline, um, But to your point, it's very interesting that so many people were anti-hybrid or anti-online learning and COVID has really opened the doors and pushed that boundary and shown people that it can be a successful model for a lot of students. So I'm excited to Yeah. I'm sorry. It just humanity in general. Like there's so many people that are now like there's just so much communication that's been opened up by COVID because people have had no choice but to learn how to use Zoom. But there's thousands of people who never would have learned how to use Zoom, but then they've had to. And so that's going to continue moving forward. They're not going to stop using it. They're going to continue now. They can see their grandkids and all this kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely... And also thinking about moving forward to um, patient care, being comfortable uh, on the, in, the, in the online environment will prep you to be able to provide telehealth services to, to patients moving forward. Because that's going to be, you know, that should be something, that's something that was granted by Medicare during the pandemic. And, um, you know, that's just something that a lot of clinics have shifted to. And so there's a little bit of a skill uh, with not only being comfortable with the um, technology, but also being comfortable with, there's just a lot of, I'm being a PT or a PTA. It's all about problem solving. That's what we're doing all day long. We're solving problems. And if you can't figure that out, like, you know, like in a telehealth visit, there's, there's a lot of skills that you've, some soft skills that you learn in the online setting, that's going to help you be better working online with patients. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think I have one more question, unless some other questions come in through Facebook or YouTube or Twitter. But someone asked uh, if you think that with programs going to a hybrid model, there will be more or less teaching opportunities, like if students are interested in teaching in the future. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, yeah, absolutely more. More, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. That And that's, yeah, that's one of the greatest things about um, South right now, South College, I'm going to cry. Uh, <laughs> the, the last, this last term, last term and this current term, I have been adjuncting with students who graduated from the program. Students who I was there during their first practical in PT school. And now we are colleagues teaching together. And it just, I can't tell you how absolutely just full circle and proud and just fulfilling it is to have that happen. And so with the online programs, with the hybrid programs, South College, the it's nine, it's the, 
Okay. The colleges are a hundred students is not an unusual number. So if you're going to have, so you're going to need a lot of adjunct faculty to support during the immersive lab in particular, if it's the accelerated hybrid, if you have the immersive lab or the intensive lab for that hybrid program. So there is significantly more opportunities because the cohorts are larger because you can handle a larger cohort. Does that make sense? Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And I feel like that's also an EDD reassuring to hear for for students who are interested and getting um, and being involved in teaching or or getting more involved yeah. in kind of the non-clinical clinical routes. There's a lot of op- there's, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of opportunity for students and especially students who are comfortable in the online environment. Um, yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. Well, we are coming up on the hour mark here, so we'll go ahead and start to wrap it up. But um, Tanya, do you have any final last words, parting words of wisdom for people who are tuning in either live or on the replay of this? I would say value your educational process because you're only in school in this program, in this moment, one time. And although the day-to-day grind and the hassles, and it's easy to just kind of take it for granted and just think that you just want to get through this, it's everything that you're doing is valuable in, when you're in school. Everything in school is valuable, it is meaningful, and it directly translates into how you are going to be as a clinician. And in your doldrums or when you're tired and you're stressed and you're frustrated, I highly suggest that you really try to think to yourself in that moment, how are the skills that I'm learning right now going to make me a better clinician? And if you can take yourself out of that moment of, of, of you know, when you're just uh, of despair <laughs> and you think about those patients that you're going to interact with, and those patients whose lives you're going to meaningfully change because you dug deep and you made this happen and you got it learned and you've practiced your psychomotor skills and you, 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 put, you, you displayed grit and, and, and you encouraged your classmate or whatever it is, whatever hard thing you're doing in school, I guarantee you those skills are going to help you make a difference in a person's life when you're a clinician. Best profession ever, PTPDA. I'm telling you, it really is. It's fantastic. I agree. I agree. And I feel very inspired and ready to take on my week of hybrid learning. Um, I'm ready to go, even the rest of the semester. (laughs) Me too. I've got homework due tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Same, same. (laughs) be back to it in in just a couple minutes yeah but thank you so much again for joining us this has been a great discussion hopefully people got some good tips some good insight um, some things to think about as we continue with hybrid and online learning again reminders that csm does start tomorrow live programming begins in the afternoon specifically from 7 to 10 monday through thursday you will be able to catch live sessions all throughout the month of february Be sure to join our CSM Conference Connections group meet if you are a student and you're interested in networking and meeting other students from across the country. And again, our general membership meeting is on February 26th, and we look forward to meeting you and interacting with you. Thanks again for joining us on APTA Live Student Night.
My name is Lindsay Durand, and I'll see you later. APTA podcasts like this one are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.